0: Welcome to another Growth Masters Federal podcast on growing your business in the federal sector. Your host is Shirley Collier, president and founder of Scale to Market. Scale to Market helps businesses think, plan, collaborate, and prosper in the federal marketplace by developing and executing data-driven business development playbooks, creating cost-effective information systems, and coaching executives to success. In this edition, Shirley's conversation with Charlie Williams An 809 panel commissioner and small business owner with 30 plus years of contract management experience focuses exclusively on the panel's work relating to small DOD contractors, providing clarity on such issues as the small business pivot, acquisition of readily available items, on the spot purchasing and more. This is a fact-filled, broad-reaching, and informative conversation affecting all small business DOD contractors that you will want to bookmark and come back to often as you sort out how the panel's work will affect your business. And now, here's your host, Shirley Collier, with her guest, Charlie Williams, on the impact of the Section 809 panel's findings and recommendations on small contractors. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's discussion on the small business pivot recommendations made by the Section 809 panel. My guest is Commissioner Charlie Williams, president of C. Williams, LLC. In his independent consulting business, Charlie provides support and advice to the defense industry as they navigate the defense acquisition system. Charlie was formerly director of the DCMA and has over 30 years of federal procurement and contract management experience. He is currently president of the National Contract Management Association, better known as NCMA, and serves on their board of directors. Welcome, Charlie.
2: Thank you, Charlie. I'm proud to be here today to talk a little bit about some of the work that the nine panel has done.
1: Great. Well, I'm so glad to have you as well. You know, of all the panel's recommendations, I think those that specifically relate to small businesses are the most misunderstood and are unfortunately receiving a lot of negative press. My goal today is to try to clear up some of those misunderstandings. The panel has made over 98 recommendations to federal and defense acquisition laws, regulations, and policies. Can you tell us more about what changes the panel hopes to see, Charlie, in how DOD and small businesses work together?
2: Sure, Shirley. You know, in considering the panel's work as it relates to small business, you have to start with Volume 1 and not Volume 3. It seems that most people who are talking about this just simply go straight to Volume 3 without the consideration for the robust set of recommendations we made in Volume 1. So why don't we start there? In Volume 1, the panel recommended a small business pivot, really urging DOD to use small businesses more strategically. The harness innovation they can produce. Now, currently, DOD and, frankly, the federal government often meet small business utilization goals with a lot of routine buys for products and services available from multiple vendors. Nothing wrong with that, but we believe by strategically engaging small businesses, the department will achieve better results that support the larger DOD warfighting mission. And surely included in our report is a draft letter we prepared for the department's consideration that would drive towards a better strategic end state for small businesses. That draft letter is intended to make very clear how important the Secretary of Defense, for example, views the role that small businesses play uh, in the defense mission. And amongst other things, the letter calls for the development of a strategic plan that would drive work in four areas intended to change how Again, the department engages small businesses. And those four areas, surely, are industrial uh, assessments targeted at small business communities so the department better understands small business capabilities as they relate to critical industrial needs. Number two, the plan would require greater and more coordinated outreach to the small business community. And number three, the plan would require enhanced points of entry for small businesses seeking to do business with the Department of Defense. The fourth part of this plan would be to uh, consider repurposing the department's small business resources to be uh, able and support the strategy. And this just brings all the capabilities of the department to together, from a resource standpoint, pursue this robust strategy.
1: And that sounds fabulous. As someone who has been in federal contracting for 25 years, and much of that as a small DoD contractor, attempting to infuse innovation into the process, that's really music to my ears. This should appeal to small businesses who have developed technologies in the commercial marketplace that have applicability to the military.
2: Uh, yes, surely, we believe so. And more importantly, the department would get much needed help to strengthen the supply chain in areas critical to warfighting capability. We truly believe that the defense acquisition system is a warfighting capability, and it must be on a wartime footing to ensure future success of our military forces in the ever-increasing global power competition we face today.
1: And Charlie, I know many small but highly innovative companies around the country that have expressed their desire to help the warfighters, but are totally frustrated by the current bureaucratic processes, so they just give up. It sounds like, if implemented, the panel's recommendations will open the doors for some of these companies that are not currently defense contractors to make meaningful contributions.
2: Absolutely. Our objective is to open the doors so that many companies, small and non-traditionals, have access. Our recommendations are designed to accomplish this through a proactive, strategically focused small business program inside of the department and by reducing barriers and friction in the transaction process between buyer and seller. And we heard a lot about these barriers as we talked to companies across the country.
1: Charlie, can you give us an example of some products or services procured by the Department of Defense and how they might be procured differently under the new procedure?
2: You know, I think, Shirley, it's not about how specific products and services would be procured differently but it's really about how we engage the marketplace, get access to the goods and services we need. The panel proposed significant revolutionary changes to how the department acquires what we have called readily available products and services. And we did this to recognize that many non-traditional companies, including small businesses, are simply unable to break through the barriers of the current system for various reasons. And one big reason is just simply the time it takes to get the contract. small businesses often don't have the financial underpinning to sit around waiting six months or longer to find out whether they are going to get a contract or not. And given the nature of the market where DOD doesn't have the same market leverage that it used to, those companies don't have to and often decide not to do business with DOD. And surely this is really the department's law.
1: I would agree with that. The negative press that the recommendations have received seems to surround an impression that the panel wants to undermine the DOD's public policy goals, especially regarding the Small Business Set-Aside Program.
2: Well, really nothing could be further from the truth. I think you will find that the panel hasn't made any recommendations that are contrary to public policy. What we've tried to do is strike the appropriate balance between public policy interests and the need to ensure mission success for the nation's warfighters, We truly believe that our recommendations regarding small business, if implemented fully and full implementation is important, it would have a positive effect and ensure greater opportunities for small businesses inside of the defense mission set. And ultimately, the department needs a diverse supplier base to include large, small, mid-tier, and non-traditional businesses who, for many reasons, choose not to do business with DOD. Now, surely nowhere in our work will you find recommendations for elimination of the department's small business goals. Neither have we recommended changes to to most small business practices. Rather, what we, we are doing is trying to drive a greater appreciation for what small businesses can deliver through strategically focusing the department's efforts to engage the small business community.
1: So what was the panel's thinking regarding the 5% price advantage for small businesses?
2: So it's important to be clear here. The 5% price preference is related to the readily available procedures that we've proposed under Recommendation 35 and only applicable in that recommendation. As we seek to reduce the complexity of the transactional processes between buyer and seller, we've recommended that cannot be mandatory set-aside when using the readily available procedures. However, because we are still very interested in maintaining a robust business presence, we felt this would be a good policy commitment. You see, Shirley, we believe that when you reduce the very bureaucratic process constraints that exist today, small businesses will compete very well. But as an added incentive to recognize the importance of these small businesses, We wanted to include the 5%. We've also been accused of being too optimistic about the ability of small businesses to be competitive in the new environment we're proposing. And so it's true. I'm not a fortune teller, and no, I don't know exactly what comes out of this and what the outcomes will be, but there is one thing I do know. Continuing to do what we are currently doing and expecting a different outcome is still insanity and everyone believes we need to do something different the acquisition system based on cold war industrial methodology must change so as to bring additional companies to the table who today choose not to do business with dod
1: so i want to clarify a few things here charlie first of all the 5% price preference is on contracts up to 15 million And what I also hear you saying is that the 5% preference is only for readily available products and services, but that other major procurement programs, like for weapon systems, uh, the current set-aside program would remain intact.
2: Absolutely, Shirley. And and remember, even when using the readily available procedures, to the extent that organizations have really thought about their spin and considered uh, the analytics of the work that they have to do, and consider their small business objectives to include the small business goals that they have, they can make choices and decisions to uh, do a uh, set-aside if, if they prefer. Uh, we've just decided that we think it's appropriate in the readily available marketplace to allow that marketplace to operate currently the way it operates between commercial buyers and commercial sellers and not to unnecessary constraints on it. So at the end of the day, uh, we want a clean transactional process, but we also want buyers and contracting organizations to have the decision power to do it set aside if they choose to do so.
1: So Charlie, one of the concerns I hear frequently from my small business clients is that if not required, federal agencies and large prime contractors would not do business with small companies. And although small companies can be nimble and innovative, they do not have the economies of scale enjoyed by large businesses and sometimes preferred by the government. It's easier to manage one $50 million contract than 10 $5 million contracts. So what was the panel's thinking regarding incentivizing large primes and federal contracting offices to actively seek out small businesses that can assist with the DOD's mission?
2: So, Shirley, I have to say this concern really doesn't reflect the majority of my experience throughout my career. I actually don't think we give enough credit to contracting officers and program managers in their attempts to utilize small businesses in their programs. That said, I think where this is often discussed is with respect to major weapon systems and how small businesses are integrated into those programs. Yet, here again, you find that as programs become more mature... The department does pretty well in this respect. But to your point about the administrative burden of managing 10 versus one contract, well, certainly it's true that fewer contracts to manage, the less work. But what is also true is that in today's system, we've created unnecessary administrative burdens, which also are management challenges. This is why we argue that you have to look at the system holistically as you make these changes. It's also why we didn't just address contracting issues in our report. We looked across the larger system to include requirements, financing, and acquisition in an attempt to balance uh, the requirements that are in the acquisition system.
1: So let's talk about some of those other factors. Um, Tell us more about the small business pivot. What else needs to change?
2: Well, you know, for starters, there are many programs in place already for innovative small businesses. Again, in Volume 1 we recommended increasing funding and support for SIBER and STTR and, and the RIF program. Uh, we, we recommended, for example, increasing small business innovation research, the SIBER side of this, funding from 3.2% to 7% DOD funds. We also recommended that increasing the Rapid Innovation Fund from $250 million to $750 million. And we also recommended initiating numerous legislative changes to enhance all of those programs Uh, And the PTAC program. So we've created a consolidated set of recommendations that represents this pivot that's so important to the Department of Defense.
1: I'm very excited about that. Um, But you know, I have personally experienced the valley of death, the gap between research and program infusion. Did you address the need to close this gap? We
2: did, Shirley. And, And yes, it's real. And that's why we made the aforementioned recommendations and in the draft letter I mentioned earlier. We advocate that the new Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Development, Research and Engineering, aggressively take on this challenge.
1: Can you elaborate on the use of other transaction authorities and how that might benefit small businesses?
2: Well, you know, the panel's view on other transactions is that they are definitely a tool that the department needs to have in its toolbox. Our recommendations in this area, I believe, are very consistent with what DOD has been advocating and expressing through its various policy guides. And basically, when, when there's a product that is critical to the national defense, and the only way to obtain that product is through the use of an OT, we think the Secretary should have the authority to make that choice. And having said that Sheriff, it's important to note that we also believe that when and where possible, operating under the FAR system provides some consistency, in the practice and contract management approaches that are important to the transparency and fundamental contracting process. You know, Shirley, I've said a number of times that in DOD, it seems that though there is this view that if a, uh, if a little of something is good, a lot of it must be even better. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, this just isn't true. And it often gets us in trouble. Just because a tool like OT is successful in prototyping, for example, doesn't mean it's necessarily the right tool in production.
1: I would agree with that. And it seems like many of these recommendations apply to companies with products. What about those small businesses that provide innovative services?
2: The panel made several recommendations that we think improve the department's management of service contracts. But I would say that there's still a lot more room for addressing service contract policy that the panel just didn't have time to get to during the course of its work. But that being said, back to our readily available framework, we believe that most services acquired by the department can and should be acquired using the readily available customization procedure. It's just hard to identify a defense-unique
1: service. Can you elaborate on that a little, Charlie? Uh, Many of my clients are in the professional services arena, architects, engineers, accountants, consultants, IT professionals, and so forth. How would the procurement of their services change?
2: Well, to the extent that the contract organization uses the readily available procedures, our view is that the transactions would be more like you might see in the private sector. You would see increased use of purchase cards, for example, as a transaction method. You'd also see a process where protests would be limited to the agency uh, as, for, for protest. You see, Shirley, our, our interest here is in driving the process much closer to the process that operates every day between buyer and seller in the commercial marketplace.
1: We need to take a break. My guest is Section 809 Panel Commissioner Charlie Williams, President of C. Williams, LLC. When we return, we will talk about money, a subject near and dear to the hearts of all small business owners. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Today's discussion is brought to you by Scale to Market, and your host is Shirley Collier. Utilizing the proprietary Davie Business Development Growth Framework Scale to Market partners with business owners and executives to achieve profitable and sustainable growth in the federal marketplace. Email Shirley at scollier at scale to obtain your copy of the Davie Growth Framework. Growthmasters Federal is a nationwide community of growth-oriented government contractors, their owners and executive teams, and the professionals who support them. The mission is to share experiences and discuss timely topics on planning and executing the most effective growth strategies in the complex, highly regulated, but opportunity-rich federal marketplace. And now back to our podcast on the small business impact of the findings and recommendations of the Section 809 panel, featuring Commissioner Charlie Williams, Small Business Contractor, Consultant, and NCMA President.
1: Welcome back. Charlie, did the panel address the issue regarding advance payments?
2: Yes, we did. Small businesses have a limited cash flow and DOD is very slow to pay invoices. The cost incurred by small business companies to borrow money to continue operations can be substantial. And without an initial upfront payment or contract award, small businesses may not bid on government contracts because they can't afford to buy the material, produce the product, and then wait to get paid by the government. And the panel, therefore, recommends increasing advance payments from 15% to 20% and changing regulations to make it easier to identify and approve eligible small businesses. And the statute allows for advance payments up to the total price of the contract, but currently limits advanced payments for commercial items to 15% of the contract price. So raising the advanced payment threshold to twenty percent for small businesses offering commercial items, in addition to the general authority up to hundred percent of the contract price will add even more flexibility in cases where innovation is dependent on the modification or integration of commercial products or services into a new product. Modifying existing regulations and guidance on advanced payments will also make it easier to identify and approve eligible small businesses and create more marketplace, small businesses to truly engage in the DOD innovation effort. And, you know, I, I think, surely one of the more recent efforts uh, done by the Air Force is, is important here, and the Air Force did this thing called Pitch Day recently, where they really were able to award a contract uh, at the spot of receiving the proposal and hearing the proposal from the contractor. And in my mind, this was an, a, an effort and a start at, recognizing that, you know, when you, when you initiate a contract, then that cash flow that comes along with that immediately is important to the company and it, it, it recognizes a commitment by the Air Force in that contract. And so the Air Force's effort, while small, I think is an important uh, igniter to the kinds of things that we need to be doing in the future across the whole Department of Defense, and it really gets to the kinds of recommendations we're trying to make to sort of speed up and, 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 and fuel that cash flow that's necessary in the small business community.
1: Excellent. And I understand, Charlie, that at the Air Force pitch day, that contracts were actually signed there on the spot.
2: Absolutely, they were.
1: That's, that's very exciting. Um, you know, I have mentioned that I have a long history as a federal contractor, as the CEO of my own companies. Doing business with the Department of Defense as a small business is hard. It's expensive. I'm so glad to see that there is a recognition that small businesses need cash flow to operate. And you are right. that This will encourage more small businesses to enter the federal marketplace, which will only benefit the DOD. But speaking of small businesses, how much of your recommendations were informed by conversations with small business owners?
2: Yes, quite a bit, Shirley. You know, we we talked to dozens of small businesses, particularly those with innovative technologies that want to sell to DoD. We, we went across the country, uh, all the way out to Silicon Valley, back over to Boston, and in the middle part of the country, just trying to hear. It was important to us to listen as we formulated our recommendations and to, to to hear what companies are saying. And many of those small businesses that are truly interested in doing business with the department. Expressed great concern about the challenges associated with the barriers to entry, uh, challenges associated with the time it takes, challenges associated with the, the cash flow and, and and the time it takes to to get them paid on the first invoice, for example, those kinds of things. You know, I, I think I should be clear here. The department does a pretty good job when you look at the overall payment process, but at the end of the day, there's still this cash flow challenge that. Small businesses have that are not the same as large businesses, and we have to do better at that. And so that's why uh we, we put the recommendations in, and a lot of that stuff just came from hearing from uh, many of the companies that we talked to.
1: And Charlie, were those businesses that you spoke to were they existing DoD contractors, or were those companies that desired to do business with the DoD?
2: It was both and, and more, you know. Uh, It's interesting because there there is this little different perspective that you get from small businesses who are already doing business with DOD and those who desire to do business with DOD. Often the companies that want to do business with DOD are very, very excited because they see greater opportunities to compete, that they see a bigger playing field. While those who are currently in business with DOD sometimes express concern and argue that the current system should not change because it works for them. <laughs> and while I appreciate the hard work and effort that they have put into understanding and learning the system, the department needs greater access. And that access uh, to companies by reducing all those transactional processes and procedures is important to the department's future and is important to the department's ability to get out to the innovative products that, that we need into the future.
1: Yes, and hopefully some of these existing DOD contractors can get on board and see that they actually have a strategic advantage because of their knowledge of DOD requirements and the relationships that they've developed over the years, and that these new processes will reduce their expenses and therefore their profit margins. Uh, what about the panel's big recommendation to create a new purchasing category for products and services um, that are readily available? We, I know we talked about this a little bit, and we're going to talk about it more in some other podcasts, but what can you tell us about how this might impact small businesses? I know there's been some concern that current small business contractors will end up losing business, especially if the set-asides are no longer mandatory. Well, well
2: again, and... First and foremost, you know, as I said earlier, small business goals remain intact, and, and the panel expects the percentage of DOD contracts awarded to small businesses to remain constant, and if the recommendations we have in Volume 1 are adopted fully, we could expect to, to see an increase. Uh, now, the panel does anticipate and, in fact, desires that the makeup of those small business contracts will really change. Specifically, to best support DOD's mission, the panel wants to incentivize participation from innovative small businesses that currently do not pursue DOD contracts, again, due to that long business development cycle, extensive compliance requirements, and, and frankly, suffocating bureaucratic red tape. You know, Shirley, since, since I've been talking about this subject so often, I had to coin for myself an acronym that I use to help reflect. Uh, the characteristics we are trying to achieve through the readily available procedures. So, that acronym for me is ACT, and it's really about access, competition, and transparency. And it's possible that, that, that some incumbent small businesses that are experienced in the current system may be displaced because or by non traditional small businesses that offer better solutions for the warfighter and better value for U.S. taxpayers. But at the end of the day, this access to a larger and broader marketplace is important. And to attract these types of innovative small businesses, we must make it easier to do business with DOD. You
1: know, competition is always a good thing, in my opinion. Suppliers get more innovative and costs are reduced. Um, so I want some to clarify here, Charlie, is your definition of readily available the same as what we have come to know as commercial items?
2: There's sort of a yes and no answer to that. Uh, Readily available is broader than today's commercial items definition as we've defined it and includes products that are readily available, but that may have only been purchased by governments, for example, or other governments. So so the readily available definition would be broader than commercial and include non-developmental items. We simply wanted to get away from sort of this cottage industry that has grown up around commercial item definitions and just decide on making uh, an, an acquisition based on whether or not something is available or not. Now, that being said, again, we're not talking about defense-unique products that have defense investments included in their development and things of that nature. We're really talking about truly readily available products that, uh, or, and services that uh, you and I and others can go out and acquire today.
1: Can you elaborate on the panel's recommendation that buying commercial products and services has precedence over small business set-asides?
2: Yes. You know, currently, neither statute nor regulation provides an order of preference between the statute preference for acquiring commercial products or services and the requirement to procure certain products or services from small businesses. So it's our recommendation uh, that the statutory preference for buying commercial goods and services be clarified so that there isn't a conflict between the two the two matters.
1: Okay. What about other changes to the acquisition process that will indirectly help the small business community?
2: Well, we, we did a lot of work to evaluate existing rules, regulations, laws, and policies, policy processes that are outdated or just simply duplicative. Several of our recommendations streamline those processes. Removing unnecessary administrivia for government acquisition professionals and the private sector suppliers we work with. In Section 6 and 7 of Volume 3, we address over 20 burdensome aspects of compliance and contracting process. For example, we also spend a lot of time looking at audit practice, and we made recommendations that uh, require a more robust risk model by uh, DCAA to reduce the audit burden, particularly when companies have demonstrated consistently good accounting practices. And this model has a dollar value component, which given the dollar value of many small businesses uh, or the contracts of many small businesses, uh, this would allow a reduction in the audit work for those companies. So we think we've covered the waterfront around things that we heard were burdens and challenges to small businesses uh, to include uh, those uh, burdens associated with compliance and the time it takes to award, and things of that nature, and, and, and at the end of the day, we believe this, these recommendations reduce those transaction, that transactional friction that goes on.
1: Now, one of those recommendations wants to allow for tacit release of non-8A competition if no response has been received by the SBA after 15 working days. Won't this change hurt 8A small businesses?
2: No, the, the recommendation simply establishes a timeframe so that when a requirement is found to no longer be suitable for the eighty program, it can be released in a timely manner. In some cases, contracting officers have experienced and told us uh, that they experienced extended wait times when such a request is sent. And this lack of predictability from the SBA in the release process is detrimental to acquisition planning and then DOD's ability to meet warfighter requirements in a timely manner. Additionally, you know, release, from the 8 -8 program does not relieve the requirement of the contracting officer to adhere to the rule of two and, for example, complete uh, coordination with the SBA. And Again, this is really about recognizing that time is important. Time has a cost component to it. And if we don't recognize all the variables in that sort of uh, process timeline that we deal with, uh, we're not going to be successful. So this is an attempt to recognize another component of time.
1: I would agree with that. And so speaking of time, another complaint that I hear from my clients is lack of access to decision makers. It's extraordinarily time-consuming to try to identify and then get in front of them. Can you tell us a little more about the market liaison position the panel recommends?
2: Yeah, sure. You know, it's our recommendation that communication is key to harnessing commercial technology in a complex regulatory environment. And this is an area that, frankly, the federal government has consistently struggled. Back in March of 2018, the uh, Deputy Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan, who's currently acting defense secretary, emphasized that communications with industry are both necessary and already permitted. So you really have to wonder, why do we continue to struggle in this area? So in Recommendation 85, we simply suggest that the department needs to establish a liaison To get at this issue, there has to be a demonstrated intentional interest to overcome the hesitancy to communicate. And to a large extent, Charlie, we, we believe that this has a lot to do with culture. And some of the recommendations we've made are an attempt to help make that transition from the current culture to a culture that appreciates and adopts a fairly robust set of communication practices and procedures.
1: Charlie, I speak frequently on the topic of how to ethically and legally shape upcoming federal procurements with federal contractors, and this hesitancy on the side of the government is really the biggest barrier to productive pre-solicitation communications Um, Open, clear communications is encouraged by the FAR and has been emphasized in numerous myth-busting memos over the years, so I'm glad to see that the panel has included a specific recommendation to remedy this problem. So let's talk about another area of pre-solicitation communication. What does the panel recommend regarding how market research should be conducted and market intelligence gathered to ensure a wider range of companies are reached?
2: You know, this recommendation goes, again, to communication with industry, but in a different way. In Recommendation 87, we've recommended that DOD establish a market intelligence capability. And the the operative word here uh, is market intelligence. Uh, The panel believes DOD needs an enduring market intelligence capability to facilitate a deep understanding and knowledge of markets, developing institutional knowledge on business cycles and influence of factors such as geography and scarcity. And this particular recommendation, surely is focused and aligned with program and acquisition executives to ensure we conduct market and technology research and use it to decrease acquisition cycles, increase capabilities, and provide optimal solutions to our warfighters. So again, all of this is about communication. It's about market knowledge. It's about market intelligence. Understanding the trends and things that are changing in markets so that we can be proactive in getting to the products and services that the department needs.
1: Charlie, as we're wrapping up our discussion here, what are your recommendations to the small businesses who are listening on how they can begin preparing for these recommended changes?
2: Yes, Charlie, I think there would be a couple of things I would offer here. First of all, some of the changes that we've recommended are evolutionary, meaning that we've recommended changes in the current system. Uh, We've recommended changes, for example, to part 12 that enhances the apartment's ability to get commercial items. And these change absolutely nothing with respect to how small businesses operate uh, under the acquisition rules. So I would say to small businesses that while you are thinking about and starting to prepare for what may be a future state, you truly do need to understand and become knowledgeable on on the acquisition rules seek out help from uh, small business advocates inside of the department. There's a tremendous community of small business advocates inside of DOD that are willing to help. So I would suggest that companies need to seek that support. Secondly, I think it's important as you think about what the future could be, if we can't open the marketplace, if we can't get to true market-based competition, it is going to put some some pressure on companies that currently do business in simply a a, a small business set-aside Uh, environment. And so companies need to fine-tune their business operations, and that gives them that competitive advantage. At the end of the day, the department is going to be looking for the product or the service that truly best benefits and provides the greatest value to the warfighter. And companies need to come to the table to be able to represent what the competitive advantage of their product or service is.
1: Charlie, thank you so much for your insights today on these important recommendations. And Equally important advice.
2: Yes, yeah, Shirley, and thanks for the opportunity to provide insight on the work we've done. As I said earlier, you know I don't believe that anyone on our panel is a fortune teller, and, and no, we don't know exactly what the outcomes will be of our recommendations. But I, I have to consistently tell folks that what we do know is that doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcomes is still insanity, and everyone believes we have to do something different. We propose a set of recommendations that represent a different future. Uh, The question will be, are we prepared to walk into that future for the good of the warfighter? Thanks, Cheryl.
1: And I agree wholeheartedly. And I hope that Congress and the DOD acquisition community, as you have said, they have the courage to embrace change for the good of the country. Folks, if you would like to know more about today's topic, please reach out to me via email, our website, or LinkedIn. We will also be posting links to help you communicate to elected officials and others to ensure your input is collected. Look for additional Growth Masters Federal Podcast on the Section 809 panel's recommendations. This is Shirley Collier, host of the Growth Masters Federal Podcast, signing off for now.
0: Thank you for joining us today. To find additional 809 panel interviews, along with contact information for relevant government and non-government organizations involved with the panel's work, visit our website at scaletomarket.com. That's scale2market.com and click on the section 809 panel link. For more information on how to grow your business in the federal marketplace, subscribe to the Growth Masters Federal channel wherever you get your podcasts. And join us again soon for another informative Growth Masters Federal presentation. Thanks again for joining us and have a productive and profitable day.